The FedLife Podcast is presented by Serving Those Who Serve, a fiduciary, fee-based financial planning firm serving federal government employees and retirees all over the country. This podcast is for informational purposes only and is not intended to be taken as financial advice. All listeners should consult their personal advisors before taking any action. The opinions expressed by our hosts are their own and do not reflect the views, policies, or position of Raymond James. Securities are offered through Raymond James Financial Services, Inc., member FINRA, SIPC. Investment advisory services are offered through Raymond James Financial Services Advisors, Inc. Serving those who serve is not a registered broker-dealer and is independent of Raymond James Financial Services, Inc. And now, here are your hosts. Dan Seip serves as a branch manager for Raymond James Financial Services and Serving Those Who Serve. Ed Zerndorfer is our guest and federal benefits expert in the space. Hello and welcome to this episode of the FedLife Podcast. I'm your host, Dan Seip. Additionally, I'm the branch manager here at Serving Those Who Serve and Lee Seip and Associates. I'm going to begin, as I always do, by saying thank you. Thank you for taking the time to listen, and thank you for your service to the government, to the country, to me, to everybody. You don't hear it enough. You will always hear it here. The other thing you're always going to hear here is the guru, Ed Zerndorfer. He's back with us once again, part of that ongoing mission, say it with me, to reach, teach, and serve you, the career civilian fed. Now, at the outset, I need to say the opinions of our guest, Ed Zerndorfer, no matter how awesome they are are not the opinions of Raymond James are serving those who serve, and this podcast is presented for information only, and it is not intended to be taken as advice. All listeners should consult their personal advisors before taking any action, and if you don't have a personal advisor, hit us up at stwserve.com. We will help you any way we can. Uh, as usual, we are following Ed's FedZone articles to sort of amplify and give you another opportunity to be able to absorb this. If you're an audio or visual learner, this is a great option. So, Ed, we're in open season again, and this article talks about making sure our feds know what they need about enrolling or re-enrolling in the healthcare spending account. And, uh, Ed, you begin why it might be important for our feds to enroll in an HCFSA. So tell us about that. Yes, Dan. I always point out to clients and and individuals in general. There is no health insurance plan. There is no dental insurance plan. There is no vision insurance plan that pays for all expenses. I don't care what plan you're in, in terms of federal employees, the federal employee health insurance program. If you're a military retiree, you might be you're, you're enrolled in the Tricare. Or you could be on a spouse's, if you're a federal employee and you have a spouse and your spouse works in private industry, you could be their health insurance man. Maybe your spouse works for a state or a city. That's fine. And you're in your role their plan. But there's no health insurance plan that pays for everything. What do I mean for everything? You have co-payments. You have deductibles. You have co-insurance. You have things the insurance plan is not going to pay. Dan, I'd like to ask you a question. You have a doctor. You have I a do. dentist. You have a I dentist. Do. You might have an yep. ophthalmologist. Do you walk to their offices? No. No. You drive. Yes, I do. You may have to pay for parking. Yes. You may have to pay tolls. You may. Sometimes. You may. Sure. You never know. Okay. Well, I assure you that you're paying that out of pocket, right? Yes. How would you like to get reimbursed for transportation? Oh, I'd like that a lot. Oh, yeah. Well, 
guess what? A healthcare FSA does that. Reimburse you for facial costs. Okay. Wow. So I point out to federal employees in particular that you have the option of enrolling in a healthcare FSA in which you are contributing pre-tax dollars to this account so that when you incur expenses that your health insurance, dental insurance, vision insurance, that does not pay for. You can show a, you know, you produce a receipt and the healthcare FSA um, administrator will reimburse you for those costs on a pre-tax basis. You're getting, you're getting your money, you're getting back the money you paid for that. Or for that matter, your account, the, your healthcare FSA account will pay the healthcare, dental care provider directly. So you never see, you don't have to make any payments. Everything is being made with pre-tax dollars, pre-tax dollars. Gotcha. I, I, I emphasize this because when I get complaints, oh, I got to pay this, I got to pay this for my, you know, for my, to my doctor. I had a blood test, I had to pay out of pocket, things like that. Well, there's a good way to pay for that. Call me your healthcare per se. I never heard, and in typical reaction, and unfortunately I hear this too many times from federal employees. I never heard of it. No one told me about this. I, I, I didn't know it existed. It's been around since 2003. When I was a federal employee, I took full advantage of that health care act to say. I put it to maximum every year. Keep in mind that the expenses that you as an employee incur in terms of you know medical costs, your spouse and family members, whether they or not, whether they are enrolled in the federal employee health insurance or not, you can use your health care per se. And then, boy, boy, the antennas go up when I mention that. Oh, I have a child who is now 22 years old. And I'm happy to say he or she has their own health insurance. Well, great. They work. They're working. They got a job. Could I use my health care per se to pay for their out of pocket expenses? The answer is yes, as long as you claim that child is a tax dependent. Well, I got a couple more years until they turn 23 or 24. Then they're on their own. Then they're on their own self. But I'll take advantage of that. This is great. So now I got the interest going from federal employees. It says now, how? Why am I eligible? How am I eligible to put money into a healthcare facility? I have one employee says, you know, I'm on my spouse's. I'm on my spouse's health insurance. They work in private industry, or I have Tricare. I have Tricare. I'm not enrolled in federal health insurance. Could I still enroll in the healthcare facility? The answer is yes. Because they say why? Because the key word here, Dan, is they are eligible. These individuals are eligible to enroll in the federal employee health insurance. If they're eligible to enroll in federal employee health insurance, whether they are enrolled or not, they are eligible to contribute to a health care facility. We're talking about permanent employees, not temporary employees, permanent employees, because only permanent employees are eligible to enroll in the federal employee health insurance program. So, this is a win-win-win situation when it comes to healthcare per se. Now we're going to go through some of the some of the regulations, but to me, an employee would be foolish not to participate. Foolish to participate. You only can have a healthcare say when you're an employee. Retirees are not allowed to enroll in the federal employee health insurance. Gotcha. And they have to be eligible to be an FEHB to get it, correct? Yeah. And again, again, the key word is eligible. What are you eligible to enroll in the federal employee health insurance? If you are a permanent, a permanent, full-time, or part-time employee, 
you are eligible to roll in the FEHB. Normally, you sign up. You normally sign up when you're first when you're first hired. But uh, when you don't sign up when you're first hired, maybe you have another plan you're enrolled in when you're first hired. But you're eligible to enroll. But you still can enroll in a healthcare FSA when during the open season. During the open season, only can do it during the unless you're a new employee that you can sign up right away. Gotcha. And your article talks about you know the steps they need to take to enroll. So why don't you cover those? All right. The first, what an employee has to do is they have to do this during the open season. It's not a new employee. They got to do it in the open season. And they go, in order to enroll, they go to the, what's called the FSA feds, the Federal Employee Healthcare and the Dependent Care Flexible Spending Accounts. You get information. There's a lot of, that's the other type of flexible spending accounts called a Dependent Care FSA, which we're not talking about today. We're talking about the healthcare FSA. All the information is on the website, www.fsafeds.com, www.fsafeds.com, and you would enroll on that website. There is a, when you get to that website, on the top of the screen, there's a box that says enroll in a plan, enroll in a plan, and it's either going to be a healthcare FSA or a deep FSA. In this case here, it's going to be a deep in the care FSA, and you do that during the open season. Now, you have to do that, and then once you get to that point where you are enrolling, you have to choose a dollar amount that you want to have set aside from your paycheck starting in starting January 1st of the next year. That's not, it's not when it always starts, the plan year is always January 1st through December 31st, December 31st, and you have to choose a dollar amount, and I have an example, I have an example, I have an example. I have an example in that column I wrote of someone who does that. And if I can just go to the example, it'll make it a little easier to understand. So we have a federal employee. His name is Jules. And during this current open season, he decides that he wants to set aside the maximum possible uh, to the health care for, say, for plan year 2024, plan year 2024, which is $3,200. $3,200. That's an increase of $150 from 2023. It was $3,050 during 2023. Now, let's suppose Jules, it, Jules was enrolled, is enrolled, I should say, during the current 2023 plan year. He has to re-enroll for 2024. It doesn't carry over. When he set aside $3,050 for 2000. And 23, he has to, he wants to set aside 3,200 for 2021. He has to re-enroll. It does not carry over that you have to re-enroll each year to the healthcare FSA. So he elects $3,200 to be set aside from his paycheck during plan year 2024. So during 2024, like in most years, there are going to be 26 pay dates, 26 pay dates. So if you divide 3,200 by 26 pay dates, that means that each pay date, Jules is going to have $123.08 deducted from his gross salary before all taxes, federal, state, Social Security, and Medicare Part A, all pre-tax dollars. And it goes into his account. His, his health care FSA, FSA account, 
Uh, that happens every payday. $123.08 will be set aside. So the election to do this has to be done by, by no later by the end of open season, which this year is December 11, 2023. Gotcha. Uh, next, you cover how somebody might go about making changes to their existing enrollment, because somebody might, correct? Yes, it's one year to the next. You have to plan for this, you know, in terms of how much you want to set aside. Because once you make that election, you can't change it. You cannot change that election. Either you, you, you underestimate it or you're overestimated. You cannot change the election, which you're going to be setting aside once um, the plan year starts. Now, what I advise employees who ask the question, well, how much should I set aside? I said a starting point would be this year. What if you paid out of pocket for yourself and family members in terms of deductibles, co-insurance, co-payments, things that your insurance did not cover, whether it's health insurance, whether it's dental insurance or vision insurance, things that just didn't cover? Transportation costs. I asked you, Dan, you don't, you, you drive to your doctor, you drive to your dentist, you drive to your ophthalmologist. Um, you may go in your goals. How much transportation are we talking about here in terms of mileage? Add up the miles because the IRS has what's called a mileage reimbursement. I think it's like 16 cents per mile. You can get reimbursed for the transportation costs you incur by going to a doctor or to a dentist or to the ophthalmologist. And add it all up for this year. Add it up for you and your members, your family. And use that as a starting point regarding how much you want to set outside for next year. And I recommend. Maybe you should add a little bit because healthcare gotcha. costs are going up. Adding sure. Costs. And when you come up with an amount, that's what you'll set aside for 2024. Now, uh, 2024, I got to be honest with you, Dan. I don't think, I don't think $3,200 is a lot of money when it comes to healthcare. When you Agreed. add premium costs, I know the premium costs for the federal employee health insurance program on average are going up by 7.7%. That's premium costs. But what employees have to note that what also is increasing are out-of-pocket costs, co-payments, sure. deductibles. I can remember a time, Dan, in which a typical deductible might be $50 or $100, up to maybe $100. Now we're talking about deductibles of $500 to $1,000. Sure. Co-payments. I remember when a co-payment was $5 or $10. Oh, yeah. Now we're talking about maybe $25 or $50, maybe more. Co-insurance used to be, what, 5 to 10%. Now yep. maybe 25 to 30% after the yep. deductibles rule. They're going up. And this is what has to be considered for in terms of amount you set aside to your health care FSA. Gotcha. So- so if we set all that up and we overshoot, are there carryovers? Yes. And this is another real good feature of the healthcare FSA. It used to be, this was before 2015, there was something called the use or lose rule. That if you did not use up all the money set aside to your healthcare FSA by December 31st, you're going to lose whatever's left in there. Yeah. Everybody gets glasses in December. <laughs> I know that you hear all these advertisements. So oh, it's the end of the calendar year. It's also the end of the year in which you can use up your money. Go to the doctor. 
get to pick up some medications that you did that you, you know you need. Get them get them filled by the end of the year. Get glasses. Get new glasses. Go for your annual physical. I go down all these type of things. Yeah. Well, now under an IRS change, IRS came up with a rule back in 2015 that a healthcare FSA plan has can there's a way to carry over either carry over a certain amount from one lead year to the from one plan year to the next, or the, the the plan can elect whoever's running the plan. In this case, it's OPM can elect to have what's called a grace period. The grace period is from January first through March fifteenth, in which you can use any leftover any money that's left over on December thirty first during those two and a half month period. Gotcha. But, but OPM is elected to do the dollar amount carryover. So for 2023, for example, anyone who's enrolled in the federal healthcare FSA can carry over $610, $610 into the 2024 plan year and use that, use that $610 during 2024. Gotcha. Now that $610 will be in addition to whatever they set aside for 2024. In the case that I was mentioning about the example with Jules, he wants to set aside 3200 So if Jules has $610 that he wants to carry over to 2024, he can. He can. And for 2024, the carryover to 2025, the IRS already announced, will be $640. It's going up. It's going up to $640. Now, if an individual who is participating in a healthcare FSA for 2023 is not going to participate in the healthcare FSA for 2024, they decide for whatever reason they don't want to participate during 2024. Why would someone not want to participate? They're going to either be leaving federal service during 2024, at which time they can no longer have access to their health care FSA, or they're going to retire during 2024. A federal retiree cannot have a health care FSA. When you retire from federal service, any money that's left in your health care FSA, you're going to end up forfeiting it, forfeiting it. Sure. Okay. So here, let's say we have an employee who is participating in the health care FSA during 2020 and a 23, and they are going to retire, let's say, on January 31st, 2024. They're going to have one month of federal service. In other words, it's not worth signing up then. But if they have that $610 left over, that will carry into January. They could use up the $610 during the month of January 2024. They say, okay, good. I'll just automatically carry it over. No, you still have to enroll. You still have to enroll, even though you're not going to be contributing from your paycheck during 2024. If you want to elect that to, to use that $610 maximum carryover during 2024, you have to actually still enroll in the federal board and the, and the healthcare per se. You have to go to the enrollment process, even though you're not going to be contributing anything. They need to put gotcha. that out. Okay. So you've laid it out how we set it up and get it funded. How do we get the money out? How do we take distributions? Okay. It's basically, it's a very simple process. And I, I will tell you that the people who run the 
the healthcare FSA have really made it so much easier to do this. You actually have to go online to your account and request a distribution. Now, you have to have to have some type of proof, like a receipt from a, a doctor's office, a, de- a dentist's office, or a uh, or your mouth's office, your optometrist, things like that. You're paying for glasses like this. You have to show some type of receipt and gotcha. submit it to the to the administer health the healthcare FSA administrator and uh, the money can be directly deposited into a bank account or if the bill has not been paid you can submit the receipt from the bill from the doctor's office that that the dentist's office and in some cases the doc in some cases the doctor can be paid directly from your account the money will come out of your account and be paid directly to the doctor so it's, it's basically, it's a very easy, easy process. I also want to point out something very interesting about the healthcare FSA, which is not true with the deep care FSA. Let's suppose an individual who is, who has a, who has an account, an healthcare FSA account, like Jules, we're using Jules. He decides he wants to set aside $3,200 during 2020, 2024. And each pay date, $123.08 is going, is, going, is going to be deducted from his gross salary to put into his healthcare facility. Starting with the first pay date in January. All right. So let's suppose, Dan, that Jules' first pay date in January is January the 10th, 2024. So $123.08 gotcha. is now, it's been deposited into Jules's healthcare facility. Two days later, on January 10th, Jules' son visits the orthodontist. And the orthodontist says, you're going to need braces. Ooh. Or going to need braces. And the cost will be $3,000 for the braces, $3,000. And Jules gets notice of that, and he calls the orthodontist office and says, can that be paid over a period of, like an installment plan? And the orthodontist, they're so used to this, of course it can. Pay me $1,000 over three years. So, but I want the first payment no later than February 1st. The first thousand dollars has to be in the account because I want to start this procedure now. So your son will now start treatment in February, but I want to get the thousand dollars for this year right on February 1st. Understand Dan, How much money is in Jules healthcare FSA? Only $123.08. Well, he's going to get paid one more time in January. So that means he'll have a total of $246.16 in his healthcare FSA account. The orthodontist wants $1,000. Wants $1,000 on February 1st. Is there a problem here, Dan? Can Jules request that $1,000 come out of the healthcare FSA to pay that, even though only $246 is 200, what we said, $246.16 in the account? What do you think? I'm going to say, since you like giving good news, the answer is yes. And I love to give good news, and the answer is yes. Because what Jules can do is request at, from the orthodontist a statement, an invoice for $1,000 due February 1st. Jules sub- submits that invoice to the healthcare FSA administrator, 
and the healthcare facility will issue a check for $1,000 to Jules, and Jules can now pay the orthodontist that first installment. And he can do it in 2025. He re-enrolls in it. He can do this every time. Even though the money is not in the account, he can get advanced the funds from his healthcare estate. Now, how is that possible? Because the administrator, the healthcare administrator, FSA administrator, knows that the money will be repaid over time because the the $123.08 is coming out of Jules' paycheck every two weeks. They'll get reimbursed. That's a very good feature. You cannot do that with the deep ending of say. With the deep ending of say, you only can get reversed up to what's in your account. Gotcha. With healthcare, you can't advance the money. No, that's awesome. I got this question. I got this question about that feature about the healthcare FSA. Ed, suppose I retire in the middle of the year. Suppose I leave federal service in the middle of the year. I no longer am going to be contributing to my FSA and I got advanced the funds. Do I have to reimburse the healthcare FSA administrator for the money they advanced me? Whoa. What do you think the answer is? Uh, you like giving good news, Ed, so I'm going to guess the answer is no. That's right. No. The healthcare administrator, I, wouldn't, I, like, I hate to use the word, it's left holding the bag. But... That is a feature of the healthcare to say you can get advanced to funds, and if for some reason you no longer are contributing to the healthcare FSA, once again you leave federal service, you retire from federal service, you can no longer fund that FSA. You don't have to reimburse the healthcare industry. And people ask, how in the world can the can the healthcare FSA administrator afford that? If everybody did that. I say, well, I will tell you on the just just the opposite. Suppose there's an individual who didn't use all the funds in their healthcare facility, even though there's this carryover, they didn't use it up. They didn't use. It. They had set aside three thousand dollars in given year plus a carryover of six hundred hours, and for some reason they didn't use that money. And they left federal service. They retired. Who keeps the money in the account? The healthcare FSA administrator. They keep that money. Gotcha. So for every one person who gets advanced the money and doesn't pay it and then it retires and doesn't pay it back, I'll give you two people who ended up losing the money. And the healthcare administrator, the healthcare FSA administrator keeps it. Gotcha. So you're saying it evens out. It even, it's an even. It evens out. Okay, Ed, once again, you've tackled something. You've tackled a topic that that is out there, but people just aren't covering it in the detail that you have. So that is awesome. Our feds are really going to benefit from this. Again, I thank you for being such a great source resource for them and for us. And folks, that's a wrap. We are serving those to serve. I hit that subscribe button on here so you never miss an episode. Uh, check us out on Twitter and LinkedIn. And don't forget those live webinars every week. Go to stwserve.com. Click the blue webinar button. You will see them all pop up. Whole menu, new special ones we've added. Sign up for one, sign up for all. The guru will come to you. 
Reach you where you are, teach you where you are, serve you where you are. Sign up for one, sign up for all. Share it with your friends. Guarantee you they'll thank you. Don't forget to read every month, at every month in the Fed Zone, FedIvanZone.com. And to wrap this up, for Ed, the group serving this serve, and me, Dan Sype, I say good luck, Godspeed, and above all, remember, it's your Fed life. Make it a great one because you deserve it. Stay well, everybody. We are out. <laughs> 